0: On this episode of Dinger Ball, Logan and Jacob are joined by Trevor Huth, who is a baseball blogger, former intern of the Toledo Mud Hens, and knows just a little bit about baseball. He joins us in the discussion of top trades, MLB, top signings of this offseason, and also we're going to talk about digging for some gold with some prospects. But first, here's a teaser. You know what? I'm going all in. I'm going all in. He's Mike Trout calling it. Hello and welcome to Dinger Ball. Today we have a special guest, Trevor Hooth. And we'll let Trevor introduce himself to you because he's done a lot of cool things. He's wrote some blogs. He's also been an intern, I believe, for the Toledo Mud Hens. But first, you know, how's it going, Trevor?
1: I'm good. Thank you guys for having me.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, go ahead and let our audience know some of the great things that you've done over your course. Because I know you've done a lot of stuff for baseball in general.
1: Yeah, well, you, you mentioned I was an intern with the Toledo Mud Hens. That was... Pretty cool. Um, I got to uh, you know work, see how things happen behind the scenes there and um, tweet form too, which was kind of fun. Uh, I, I've been blogging for way too many years now already, and I'm only 24, so um, that's fun. But right now, I, I'm with uh, you know bless you boys with SB Nation, um, prospects live. I do some work with them, a site called uh, the Dynasty Guru. Uh, and I might be forgetting some, it's a lot of stuff, but, uh, I do a lot, uh, a lot of, um, prospects focused things.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And can't wait to talk to you today about prospects. And that's pretty much our whole entire episode with a little bit of signings in the middle. Um, and we're going to be talking about the top prospects in the major leagues and the minor leagues here over this next year and who we might be seeing be really important. Um, but first two, Hennessy, how's it going?
2: Yo Logan, it's going well. Good to be here. Glad to have Trevor here. He has a lot of information on prospects. I mean, I'm sitting here with him right now, and just stuff's coming up as, as we're talking right now even. And it's just insane the amount of information he has over here on his laptop.
0: <laughs> exactly. It's just kind of impressive the wealth of knowledge that he has here today. And it'll be really fun to talk with him, you know, especially about some of these signings that we've seen, like guys like Garrett Cole. Like, what do you think about the Garrett Cole deal? With how much money he got. Do you think he's going to be worth it?
1: Uh, I, I The thing with that deal is if he's not the exact same pitcher he was, it's going to be really tough to be in New York, I think, um, because they have an expectation coming in. He could be really good. I mean, it's kind of happened at the beginning of the CC Sabathia contract when they signed that, where he wasn't the guy he was the season before when he uh, earned that contract. So, Eventually they learned to love him, but, uh, I I mean, he's a great pitcher. He's not going to be bad by any means. Uh, it's just always tough to play in New York, and, uh, I mean, yeah, he's worth the money. He's he's one of the best pitchers in the game, and that really solidifies their rotation.
2: Yeah, I definitely agree, but I think the biggest concern here is that he's now in New York. Not a fan of that. <laughs> <laughs>
0: I mean, no baseball fan likes seeing him in New York. That's a place they wanted him not to go. They wanted to see him join you know, the Angels and see him go play out there in California in, a, in his homeland. But it doesn't look like we're going to see that. Uh, only thing that worries me about him out there in New York is the fact of the stadium he plays in and also the teams he plays against. That He plays in not a very good pitcher-friendly league. He plays in a very hitter-friendly um, division out there in the AL East. And I think that's going to be something that's going to impact him quite a lot. Because you saw that with the Yankees ERA and everything last year, and the amount of home runs they gave up, Now those two are strongly correlated because of that. But I think that's a really big thing that he's going to have to watch out for. Uh,
1: I mean, it's not like uh, you know, Minute Maid Park was exactly the uh, most helpful thing to him. Uh, that you know, you still hit a lot of home runs there. I saw something from Darren Willman today, uh, who's the creator of Baseball Savant, uh, where one of the home runs that Alex Bregman hit would not have gone out anywhere except Minute Maid Park. He actually created a whole outlay of it we're watching right now. Um, so there we're is there is the a lot of home course. runs. I mean, yeah. <laughs> the only other place where it would have gone out by distance is Fenway, but it, you know, the monster would have gotten in the way.
2: Yeah. I mean, that's a very interesting overlay. And uh, the only part that I would say is that, to me, you you got the – the right field line in Boston, which is going to hurt with the amount of left-handers that play there. Or probably going to be
1: Just the the whole point is that, that um, it's not going to be too much of an issue for him. I don't think the park factor, because he played with a short porch uh, to a righty pull side. Um, And even with the uh, bouncy ball, as I've heard it called, I mean, it's really, he, he didn't, he didn't get hurt that much. I mean, he was, by far the best pitcher in the league, even though he had a, you know, one point two three home run per nine last year.
0: I guess we'll see over this course of the season, but the fans' expectations are pretty high. I mean,
1: oh,
2: they're through the roof.
1: Well, his, they his already, thir-
2: they're already trying to describe themselves as the World Series champions for next year, and we haven't even
1: played spring training yet. Bear in mind the Browns also said they would win a World Series, <laughs> uh, but I mean his over uh, his over thirteen strikeouts per nine will play. Oh, that'll definitely play. <laughs> Yeah, he's, think... he's got a hundred mile power fastball that'll <laughs> play anywhere, with, with
2: one of the better curveballs. <laughs> he's in a good spot no matter where he ended up.
0: I think one of the stats I saw too was their leading strikeout pitcher for their starting rotation had like 180 strikeouts and he had like 326, I believe. So yeah, that in general right there will help him out a ton there because if they're not going to hit the ball. There's no way they're going to hit a home run. So in a hitter friendly park that doesn't matter. It's neutral it everywhere. I think it was Paxton. They're like 182 or something like that. That's just impressive. Almost kind of almost doubling the amount of production their leading starting pitcher had and the amount of strikeouts, which is just crazy to think about.
1: Well, I mean, Cole was worth 7.4 fan graphs war last year. And just for reference, we use a Cardinal guy for Logan. Jack Flaherty was worth
0: 4.7. Go Jack.
1: Logan, stop.
0: <laughs> yeah, I still love my guy, Jack. I want him to win the Cy Young next year, but that's a different story for a different day.
2: Yeah, we can talk about that later.
0: But talking about potential award winners, especially for next year, what about Anthony Rendon going out to the Angels? Seven-year contract, $245 million. It's a pretty fat contract. And I think that he deserved it after all he did this past year. And I think it's going to be good for him to get out in LA and hopefully he enjoys it. What do you guys think?
2: Yeah, I love that. I absolutely love that signing from Los Angeles. And it's it's a lot now. They're essentially top three hitters are protected now, yep. which is a which is a big part to have because people are going to have to pitch to. I'll let you say his name because I know you love saying it. But uh, Mike, Mike Trout. Mike Trout. <laughs> who?
0: Mike now, who is Trout. That guy? <laughs> Only the best baseball player alive. Don't get me started on him.
2: <laughs> but that that's a very formidable two, three, four now with. Trout, Rendon, and Otani.
0: Hey, don't forget about Pujols, man. I'm just kidding. Pujols is
2: gonna be down to like six, seven from what the projections I've seen is now.
0: I just wish he was still good, just for the love I had of him. But I, you know, that just won't happen. Oh, him.
2: he's still he's still a good player. He's just not gonna be an elite all star talent anymore, and it just comes with being older. and Guys averaging, I think it's like four or five miles
1: per hour harder than when he was a rookie. And with they're getting more drop because people are, <laughs> you know, more aware of things like spin rates and pitch design. And so they're they're designing these pitches to be as filthy as possible, and that doesn't oh, help either.
2: Well, think about it. Change ups in the day, Greg Maddux had one of the best change ups and all it did was just go it was just like a six inch drop. That's just average now, and then you gotta tail the fact that it's now running a to arm side, like Scherzer's circle changeup mm-hmm. literally moves like a, like a, I don't know what you would call it. Like, like a slider,
1: like a lefty slider. Yeah. <laughs> it's not fair. Design all that. it's insane. I started to get into a little bit of it, but it's a lot of science. Exactly.
0: I think that's something that's really changing the game. It's pretty cool to see that. And kind of talking about that pitch design and that trend, Steven Strasberg he also got a seven-year $245 million deal like his buddy Anthony Rendon and you know seeing him do the pitch design thing in the World Series where you know or the, even just like design of seeing the hey like I was tipping my pitches in the first inning and saving a game for the Nationals I think that was pretty huge and technology really is coming in big nowadays in baseball so what do you think about Steven Strasburg and also that moment in the World Series I know Hennessy and I talked about it but what did you think about it Trevor?
1: Well first of all technology was coming up big for the Astros. <laughs> The old drum technology being on a trash can. I mean,
2: <laughs> it's kind of ingenious because no. like we're talking, we, we sit here, we're talking about all this technologies growing game, technology is growing the game. They use stuff that we've had. One of the things that they've had since literally about the seventies when TVs were created. And the other one we've had since beginning of time with the garbage can. Like that's just a genius setup. And it's basically, it's minimal technology. It's ingenious
1: until you get caught. Oh, yeah. Because then everyone knows what's going on now. Because yeah, you can go back and find all the videos now and hear the trash cans. Oh, it's see? very loud. John Boy did that on Twitter. You can hear, you can see a lot of it. But uh, back to Strasburg. Uh, he's, there's no other way to say it. He's a good pitcher, and he earned his money, and I'm very surprised he stayed. I thought he was going to go to San Diego mm-hmm. and go home, just like I thought Cole was going to go to the Angels. But uh, it was a really good move by the Nationals, and and it makes sense for Strasburg, too, because he gets to stay and be a part of that three-headed dragon of Corbin and Scherzer, and now he's the third head, so a good move by him.
0: The one thing that made me think that he was going to stay with the Nationals was, I think it was when I was watching one of the World Series games, or maybe one of the NLCS games, And they were talking about Strasburg and how he was so happy, how his team treated him after he had an injury and they were still like trying to help him get back. And they were not making sure that he wasn't going to be rushed back. And he said that was a big reason that he might potentially sign with them again. And I wonder if that's like the big reason why he signed with the Nationals, because of how they treated him. And I mean, honestly, they've been pretty good to him his whole entire career. And especially with this past World Series, I mean, it'd be kind of tough to leave them after that
1: yeah they're gonna give him 245 million dollars over seven <laughs> years i think that's another pretty solid reason yeah
2: i'd sign just about anywhere for about that much money i'd sign just about
1: anywhere for half that amount of money i'd sign anywhere for about a hundred thousand bucks i'd sign anywhere for a snickers bar i'd dust off the old arm
0: absolutely who wouldn't but might as well hop on to the next guy here and that's madison Bumgarner, a guy who was don't like it super good back in his day and he's still not shabby. I mean, honestly, he's still a really good pitcher. I think that he could add a little bit to the Diamondbacks. And it's kind of interesting to see a five-year, $85 million contract. Hopefully, he's worth that much. But I think that's a very fair value deal for what they need. And honestly, they might be a little bit more of a contender out there, but it's kind of tough with the Dodgers.
2: Like, yeah, he's a very solid pitcher. He's been a solid pitcher. You've seen what he can do in the postseason. But he's thirty years old. By the time this contract's up, he's gonna be thirty-five. And do, I, the the question that I've always had is: is he worth five years, eighty-five million to be pitching into his mid, legitimately mid-thirties? Scherzer, and I don't, I don't think he will be. I mean, maybe his maybe his batting ability does help with that a little <laughs> bit, but it's not enough for that much of a a difference in the price tag, basically.
0: I mean, Scherzer, man.
1: I mean the the thing with Bumgardner is that he doesn't have a ton of velocity he never really has but the exit velocity is below league average his curveball spin is above average his fastball spins about as good as you're going to get and and so he gets a ton of movement people don't hit the ball hard off him and and he strikes people out so that's where the contract comes from and it was rumored he wanted over 100 million so if you're getting 85 million or 85 million over five years that's a pretty good deal and and the uh, Diamondbacks have really been smart lately. I'm going to get into uh, some prospects here. But, you know, they traded uh, Grinky for a set of prospects led by Seth Beer, yeah, who's yeah. Uh, He's be a good. pretty good bat. He's a nice power bat. Uh, they traded Jazz Chisholm to get Zach Gallen. They traded Goldschmidt and got a couple of MLB-ready guys in Carson Kelly and, and Luke Weaver. So they've really done a good job expediting this uh, quote-unquote rebuild because they have these young guys who are up now, and I think Bumgarner was a decent addition, at least for the next couple years. I don't know what it's going to be like at the end of the contract, but as of right now, he's still coming off where he's able to spin the ball well, and that usually is good.
2: No, I agree. I think it's a good signing for the first two years of the contract, maybe three. But once you get to year four, year five, is it still going to be a good contract. And that's where I have questions about it, because he is an older guy. He has that funky delivery where – Something can go wrong with his arm in the first place, and obviously he's a pitcher. Every pitcher kind of has a time limit on their elbow. But uh, just kind of looking at it that way, and then obviously, like you said, with the the signings they made the last couple
1: of days. I mean, the five-year contract. Even if you are getting three good years out of it, that's really what you're probably looking for. Um, I mean, that, that's still over half the contract of it being good. There are no opt outs. I was trying to look up here. Uh, 15 million deferred 5 million. There's one of the 20 no trade list for like five teams too. Yeah. So, I mean, it's, I overall, I think it's a good contract and, and the Diamondbacks are really, I think just trying to push and be competitive until some of these good prospects that they have come up, um, in terms of Seth beer and in terms of, uh, Alec Thomas is their top guy, Christian Robinson, Corbin Carroll are all outfielders, but they're all pretty high ceiling guys. Um, John Duplantier has lost some shine, but he's gonna be pitching probably in more in a relief role. Um I but there's some other guys.
2: Game. Yeah. Haber was good. I saw him
1: live in uh Kane County a couple no last year. I mean, Bruce Kauskas is also good. They they traded for him as well. So there's a few guys. There's the other uh guy yeah. in the Goldschmidt deal, Andy Young too, hanging out on their top list, but uh, they've done a good job compiling prospects, and now they have guys who can be competing up until those prospects are ready, and I think that's a lot of what this Bumgarner thing does for them. Also, he's got horses in Arizona, and I love that.
2: Yeah, he'll, be, he'll be riding on off days. I'm, obviously, he doesn't, get, he doesn't get in bench fights. You saw that. He likes to go back into the, the clubhouse instead. Yeah. But that could have just been an injured thing. I wouldn't want to fight Madison Bumgarner. No. He's a pretty tough guy. He cuts down trees in the all season. Yeah. Come on.
0: He's like a lumberjack, man. I wouldn't want to face him at all. I think he's a pretty good pitcher, and I think he's going to have a really good time out there in Arizona. Like Trevor said, I think his stuff is really what makes him a great pitcher. He's not like a guy who's going to blaze the past you. And, like, you know, like you made a note of guys who, as they get older, they traditionally don't get better. But, I mean, throwing a guy like Max Scherzer, he just keeps getting better as time goes on. So
2: Yeah, but but Bumgarner has been getting progressively worse Obviously, he had that injury a couple of years ago that didn't help him. But, I mean, he, he hasn't been as good as he was in that World Series run, the last one he had, where he was just unreal. Yeah. But to be fair, it's hard to be that unreal as well.
0: It really was. And he's going to go down in the history books for being a legend in that one postseason where he just absolutely threw his arm out. And that's what teams are looking for out of him. Closer. Um, moving on here to our next section which we can call our red box section after our last episode um, we have four guys who signed one year contract deals and i think some of them are pretty intriguing and some of them are a little eh but we'll go ahead here first well, The first one I yeah love. Didi Didi gregorius really good one year 14 million dollars i love that deal i think it's a really good deal for the Phillies. Well,
2: philadelphia is really close yeah they were they're close to being a high-level contenders they were close last year they were considered contenders and they kind of just didn't perform the way they should have dd's mm-hmm. gonna help them out at shortstop a lot Absolutely. i mean he's got to get a full season in. i don't how many games did he played last year i think close to like 80 mm-hmm. yeah 82 games he played half a season if you get him a full season he is a very good shortstop and he's he's definitely going to be an upgrade for them because he just, he doesn't do a lot wrong, I don't feel like. He doesn't strike out a crazy amount. And he, he he finds a way to put the balls in play. He doesn't have the hardest high hit percentage in the league either. But he's he's solid on a contender.
0: And then, I mean, a couple that I'm kind of meh about are the Mets with Michael Wacha and Rick Borsello. I mean, one of those guys you're replacing with is Zach Wheeler. You're replacing Zach Wheeler probably with Porcello. And then you have Waka, which is just like, I mean, personally I've seen him with the Cardinals. I've seen him do really well and I hope he does really well because I was a big fan of him. But I don't know if he has the stuff or the accuracy anymore to really be that kind of pitcher he used to be. But I mean, never say never, I guess. So there is that. And what do you think about that, Trevor?
1: Well, do you remember um, in Moneyball when Brad Pitt says, we are looking for three guys to recreate this one guy. Mm -hmm. That's kind of what's going on. You're not going to be able to recreate Zach Wheeler once you lose Zach Wheeler. So you're trying to find that production that you lost with Waka and Porcello. That being said, you still have DeGrom, Sindergaard, Stroman.
2: Yeah. (laughs) I mean, mean, they're not in a bad spot there at all. But here's my other question for both of you guys, I guess. So you're paying Porcello – Ten million for this year. You're paying Waka three million for this year. Do you think there's a way that you could have made the contract stretched out over enough time where you could afford Zach Wheeler and pay him thirteen million a
1: year essentially? I don't know that Zach Wheeler was ever going to come back. Yeah. Um, There's a lot of I mean a lot of him is injury as well just because he played for the Mets, but um, you know I, I just don't know that he was coming back. Uh, he had a chance to leave and go be a top guy somewhere else. He was not going to be a top name pitcher uh, in New York, and I, I don't know that that mattered much to him. But there was just a lot of opportunity elsewhere, and I don't think the Mets wanted to spend that kind of money to bring him in. Although, you know, the guy who just puts seen that that agent Brody's nuts. So I guess whatever.
2: Yeah. That's why what I was saying, and I, I do agree that maybe he probably didn't want to come back, especially considering. Nobody wants to be a number four starter, especially when you have one, two level arm talent, which is what Zach Wheeler has when he's healthy. But the, the only problem is with a lot of teams is I don't think he's going to get that big of a contract where it's going to be what he's probably looking for. Just because he's he's been injured so much, and it's hard to want to touch him when he's getting injured. Like it's a big investment for a guy that doesn't hasn't been able to stay healthy. I
0: mean, I see what you're saying there, but I mean, the pitcher he could be, I think that it'd be worth it, but I don't think he was ever going to stay. I think he was going to go somewhere else where he could be more so of the star that he wants to be, because he's out, he's overshadowed over in New York. Like, I mean, the Syndergaard and DeGrom and even Harvey, like you you just have all these big figures over there that just constantly were over top of him, and it was kind of tough for him to really shine, and now he gets the opportunity to shine with Philly, and hopefully he does. Yeah, I mean it's a good
1: thing. You know, he's probably already higher than Arietta and Nola had a down year. There's a lot of opportunity there, and, and he really helps their uh, rotation because they were really upset that they went and got Rayomuto and Harper and and who up you know whoever Real else Muto, and didn't uh, didn't you know um, compete. Wheeler's
2: coming in, Didi's coming in. I think it was already thirty. I didn't know that. Yeah, that's why I'm saying that. He, he's getting over twenty twenty million a year. But isn't he? a, Is that right? Yeah, but he's a he's a baseball savant, darling. Hmm. Yeah, that's true. But still, that's that's a lot of money to be paying a guy that gets injured as much as he does.
0: I guess we will see in these up, upcoming months, uh, whenever they get ready to start going into spring training. Um, and then another one that kind of spiked my interest was Wade Miley going to the Reds, and. Honestly, I didn't hear too much about this move as much. Like, I didn't hear many people reacting or anything. But I think it's a pretty good move for the Reds because Wade Miley was wasn't a bad pitcher last year, especially for the Astros. And I think there's a lot of opportunity in the NL Central. And I mean, the Reds are trying to make moves, trying to be better, but it's just tough in the division. And
1: there's a lot of competition there in that rotation. I mean, they have Trevor Bauer, um, Luis Castillo's there, and a couple guys I'm forgetting. But what I like about Wade Miley. Is that remember when he was good in Milwaukee? I'm fairly certain that was under the tutelage of Derek Johnson, who's the pitching coach um, in Cincinnati now. Mm -hmm. Oh, thank you. Yeah, no, it's it's Sonny Gray and Anthony DiSclafani there as well. So uh, Wade Miles is going to be. Yeah, it's not out of the question. No, neither is Maley. Sal Romano also is probably in the question. But, um, you know, Wade Meyer is going to be competing for that fifth spot. And I just love what the Reds have been doing in terms of helping improve their pitching. Um, it started last year when they got Derek Johnson because he is a master. Uh, notice how Chase Anderson just declined hard once Derek Johnson left. Mm-hmm. Also, I mean, they brought in driveline baseball. They got, they brought in Kyle body for their minor leagues. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they have a lot of driveline guys in there now, and that's going to be huge. That's why. Um, and this is just a habit from all the fantasy baseball I've been doing lately, but I'm buying all the Hunter green stock that I can. <laughs> well,
2: the other guy I want to talk about, since we're on the topic of the Reds. first off, Wade Miley, we had a we had a conversation about this back in the postseason and cuz he was basically at number 4 in Houston and we were talking about in a four-game series there is not a guy you want to face in that top 4 of that Astros rotation. There wasn't. And and he is he is a part of that. And then the other guy and that we're all kind of forgetting about is that Cincinnati might have the best two-way player in baseball now with Michael Lorenzen. Yes.
0: I am a fan of Michael Lorenzen, and I want him to start in center field on opening day.
2: <laughs> he might. I wouldn't be surprised. <laughs> Weirder things have happened.
0: I think it would put more people in the in the stadium. They'd be sold out every single day seeing him play out there.
1: I mean, what's not to like? They're a dark horse for the NL Central.
2: Yeah, uh,
1: there are the big free agent bats left, and if they get one of those, it's it's. They're not a dark horse. They are a front runner at that point. I mean, they have to get a couple more guys. But
2: as of today, with what they have, they're definitely going to contend. They're going to be better than Pittsburgh, easily.
0: (laughs) Yeah, Pittsburgh's a
2: stock now. They probably will end up being better than Chicago. They started better than Pittsburgh. Let's not pretend anything.
1: Everyone started better than Pittsburgh. The Miami Marlins are almost better than Pittsburgh. I mean, you bring in Moose to play second, especially in that hitter-friendly park. You got Suarez. Senzel, Aquino, if he can figure it out, Winker, and then you just add in, let's say Nick Castellanos, the doubles monster, Nick Castellanos, into that lineup. So where, where you insert you him, him in? there. You're, uh, you probably take out Aquino. You probably give Aquino a bench bats because he kind of got figured out after a while. Yeah, that's true. I mean, he was really hot at the beginning of his season, and then he kind of cooled off. And Irvin and Winker are probably going to be um, platooning out and left. You can put Castellanos right there and right. I mean, I like Galvis at shortstop. I think they should maybe try to re-sign Jose Iglesias, or somebody should sign Jose Iglesias. But uh, I don't know, think they have... are. I
2: think they're going to ride with Galvis. Yeah, but you have and obviously Iglesias. Rizzo and Lorenzen and Garrett at the back end of your bullpen. That's a dangerous trio. Not as good as obviously the team. The, the Nasty Reds, Boys. The nasty yeah. Boys. The
1: Nasty Boys. It's not Rob, the same. We're Rob right. Dibble was my high school pitching coach. Yeah, one <laughs> of the Nasty Boys. Did you see that video of him
2: when they bunted on him? The Cubs bunted on him, and he just pelts the dude in the back with the ball because he was pissed.
1: Uh-huh. Absolutely. Really nice guy, by the way.
0: Yeah. I absolutely love it. So moving on to that, even in like the same division here, we had the Cardinals recently just signed somebody, and we're going into the international signings here like the guys who came over. First of those is Guang Hyong Kim. I think I pronounced his name correctly. I hope I did for a two-year, $8 million contract. And hopefully he's a lefty the Cardinals need. Maybe he could work his way into the starting rotation, but we might be seeing him in the bullpen here. And that'll be something interesting. And also Yoshihito Tomo, I don't know I don't know how to say his name. Toshigushko, I don't know. But um two years and twelve million for Tampa Bay. And just call him Yoshi. Yeah, Yoshi.
1: That's what we're gonna end up calling him. Yeah. Well that's what he told people to call him at his press Yoshi-
0: conference. Yoshi Tsugo. Hey, you know what I tried?
2: <laughs>
1: Not well. It's,
0: it's all that matters.
1: Logan doesn't do English. Yeah, I don't
0: speak English. But I think the international signings are going to be interesting to see, especially this next season. And, I mean, that Gwang Hong Kim guy, hopefully he does something for the Cardinals because I'm a big fan of that. And if he's a lefty starter, which is something the Cardinals have not really had too much of since, like, Jaime Garcia, which he was a pretty good starter back in his time. And Yoshi, and hopefully he's a pretty good bat, too, for Tampa Bay what do you guys think
1: he's he has been described as uh Kyle Schwarber comparison uh so he's got a lot of power there's videos of of him absolutely destroying baseball so um it'll be uh interesting to see what happens I don't really know how to compare this stuff I know that he said that the Rays were the first team interested and he was more interested in the ability to play than necessarily money um, so that's going to be a, a, a nice place for him there in Tampa Bay. He'll probably settle into a uh, DH kind of role, uh, maybe rotate through if, if they need to get Choi DH spot or um, Yandy Diaz or someone. But, um, but, yeah, no, so I think that's a good place for him to land. That
2: really helps Tampa. They'll probably be able to compete in what is going to be a very tough AL East again, which is what – I mean, their goal should be, even with as much of a small market team as they really are, and they're going to be for basically ever, unless they can find
1: a way to get out of Tampa, which know, isn't going to happen for kind of a, years. Um, I mean, the the Red Sox aren't moving back up; they're pretty much looking to sell, so they're not looking like they're going to be a huge threat. It's mm-hmm. it's kind of just the Yankees and Rays again,
0: especially yeah. if like David Price or Mookie goes away.
1: Especially
2: now, I mean, this is assuming that they don't have the injury problems they had last year. Because look at how good they were with the injury problems they had. Right, their de- they're depth. For sure. and, and now if you can get your top players to stay healthy, that is going to be the scariest I've heard thing it in baseball. Helps.
1: It definitely helps <laughs> to
2: not have to miss out time from... How much did Stanton miss? He missed like two months.
1: Oh, DeeDee missed sucks. half a
2: year. <laughs> And they still are; they're still just rolling out guys that nobody outside of the baseball world knows, and they just play out of their minds for a month at a time. And that's just kind of how the Yankees were, and which really doesn't help Tampa. They gotta be
1: fighting for a wild card spot, basically. Luke Voigt is a pivotal part of the um, Yankees this year, depending on how he does. Not that they won't be good without him, but he'll be an important piece.
2: Thirty
0: bombs this year.
2: I don't know why I can't think of his name. Who's the guy that played third base for New York last year? Giovanni Urschella. Urschella, he's going to be a big part of the team too. If he okay. can perform like he did last year, that just adds another level.
0: They have a lot of talent there, and I mean honestly, out there in New York, there are no shortage of star players. So I mean, you look around the whole entire diamond, and on paper, their team looks really, really good. And I mean, like we were talking about earlier, even with Gary Cole, like it's going to be tough. But I mean, like, the Red Sox really aren't going to compete very much left there right now. Like, And they're probably not going to have much talent left by the end of the year because just to pure fact, they're going to try to trade it, trade it away, get some value out of it because will Mookie want to come back next year? I don't know. I don't think he will. And then you have David Price. And he's getting older. You might as well just go ahead and trade him in case he gets injured in the future and just get what you can out of him and just try to rebuild your team and then wait out the Yankees and wait for them... To
1: make it sound so simple i know
0: i should just be a general manager right just kidding that would be super hard. i
1: mean they've been they've been looking to trade but that's not a contract that uh most teams just want to take on so the uh red Sox likely have to attach a decent prospect along with him i think there was talk about
2: it might have been la yeah it might have been in la might have been la talking about trying to do a trade with both of those two combined. I think Gavin Lux on, was in there. Uh, and like a prospect on top.
0: Yeah, they had a lot in there, I think, for him. like, But, I mean, the Dodgers would have a lot to offer for that.
2: Yeah, I mean, we're going to talk about it in the, in the next segment here, if the amount the Dodgers have. There's two or three guys on the top 100 that are viable to be traded just based on the depth they
1: have at the major league level. Yeah, but I don't think they're going to be um, – I mean, they're, they're very slow to part with their top prospects. I mean, it was a big deal when they parted with Yusniel Diaz to get uh, Machado, and he's kind of not even a, a top guy. Uh, they refused to trade Verdugo a couple years ago. Uh it was a few years ago. Now I'm getting old. I forgot. Um, <laughs> Looks smart now. But, uh, I mean, they're gonna they're not going to want to trade Lux. They're not going to want to trade May. It's kind of a toss. So up when they get their top guys that they like, they don't want to move them. So that's really why they didn't get Kluber either. Yeah. Because those are the two guys you have to move to get any sort of big landing. At least one of
2: them. You have to move at least one of those two guys.
0: Speaking of the trades and everything that's been going on, I mean, we had a couple trades this past week too, and we had one with Nomar Mozara going to the White Sox for Steel Walker. And I think that is a pretty good deal in its own right. I think that most of the White Sox fans that I know were a little bit upset by that deal, but, I think in due time, they're going to realize they got a really good deal. They got a young guy, with a lot of power, not really good against lefties, but I mean, you could just platoon him or put him in the DH or something and just let him go. I don't think he was too good defensively. I think he had a negative D war, but I think that honestly, what you get out of him is kind of what you need, a strong left-handed power bat.
2: I don't think the, the gripe of White Sox fans is with picking up Mazzara. I think it's with parting with Walker
1: It's more of the issue for them. Yeah, I mean, I like Walker. Don't get me wrong, but he—you're he, hoping he becomes Mazzara, and Mazzara's already yes. Mazzara, and Mazzara's still young. He—he he was born in 1995. He's my age, so it's not like he can't still figure it out and put it together and become Nomar Mazzara. But um, you know, in in 100 games at Advanced A last year, Walker hit 10 home runs. He's um, 124 of so your plus doesn't strike out a lot though. I like that. I think the best part about Walker is that he, I believe shared an outfield with Kyler Murray. Yeah. Um, so that's kind of cool. But other than that, I mean, he's got a great name, but, uh, he's kind of just a power guy. You're hoping that he's going to be able to, uh, tap into it. Fangraps gives him a 60 grade raw power, 50 potential, uh, or, or future grade on that game power. So you hope he's going to tap into something, but, um, as of right now, I mean, you're getting a major league version of them. I don't I don't see this as a bad deal at all. Yeah,
0: exactly. I think that it's only going to benefit them in the long run, and hopefully they could sign somebody too because I know that they've really been looking at signing a couple people. And, I mean, we can talk about it here in a second. Um, but first, I mean, Corey Kluber also got traded in a move that I was a little bit surprised by, and it was just Delano to Shields, and, and there was another prospect in there, I think it was Klose. I think that's how you say his name. Um, I think that is a pretty good deal for the Rangers, and I'm, I don't know if it will really put them in any, to contention right now. But I think that getting Corey Kluber on the cheap like that is not bad, and it also helps out the Indians a little bit too, with an extra bat and potential guy in the future.
1: Well,
2: the Shields is also a pretty solid outfielder as well. He's quick, doesn't have horrible routes typically, and.
1: I don't really know much about this class A guy. He's a high-octane reliever. Um, He's going to throw hard. Uh, He's going to have a slider-cutter kind of deal. And and he's not a very well-known guy, especially for the fact that he's got an 80-grade fastball. Um, He doesn't strike a ton of guys out. Um, Overall, he'll, he'll do eight to nine guys. It's kind of like a almost a Jordan Hicks type where, where he doesn't strike out as many as you think he's going to, but he's going to create weak contact and he's going to be able to be successful that way. And, and obviously the, uh, um, Indians value him a lot. Uh, and and I think that he could be a solid piece. I mean, he had a two, three, one ERA last year, uh, in the majors in 23 innings. Um, and he doesn't walk a ton of guys for as hard as he throws or at least he, he didn't in 2019. So, uh, I I think it's honestly a decent trade, uh, closer a lot closer than people think. Uh, De DeShields I don't know why this tends to happen, but when he was coming up, he was a pretty highly touted guy, and all of a sudden he has a couple years and he's the fourth outfielder in Texas. And Everybody's like, "Oh, they traded him for a fourth outfielder," but I mean, he's solid. Yeah, yeah. So I think it's a pretty good deal all around, and, and I think uh, I think the uh, I think Klaus is going to be pretty good. Mm-hmm.
0: I mean, I guess we'll definitely see. Um, she didn't pitch bad last year for the Rangers at all, so it'll be interesting to see. Um, but we can go ahead and move on here to the next part, and that's uh, talking about the big free agents left. Um, and we, I have five who I thought they were pretty important that were still out there and couldn't make an impact on any team that they go to. And those are Ozuna, Donaldson, Keuchel, Ryu, and Cassianos. And I'm just wondering, who do we think signs next and where?
1: God, I hope it's Cassianos. Donaldson's probably going to sign next. I I mean, if you just go by the law of where there's smoke, there's fire. There's been the most smoke on Donaldson. So, in theory, he would be the next guy up. I don't even know when. I think um, the uh, Nationals are heavy on him after losing Rendon. So, that's an option. I I, I honestly couldn't tell you, but I, I think Donaldson's the next to go. I think of the group, Castellanos is the most helpful out there if he goes to the right ballpark. You saw the difference between Comerica and Wrigley. Uh, it's a lot.
2: Oh, yeah, I loved him in Chicago. <laughs>
1: he
2: he was a big part of that Cubs lineup, and he's a big reason why, I mean, obviously, he's, he's going to get a lot of money based on what he did there.
1: I just like that uh, his brother tweeted out, I think last week, that he just got a job at a brewery and Nick is unemployed, so he said, I got you, bro.
2: (laughs) Yeah, you're right about that one. That was funny because he was – his younger brother was a pitcher, right? Never made it out of A-ball. Yeah, that happens sometimes. And then the other guy that doesn't really get talked about as much as he should is, Ryu is a top starter. He's good. He's got to go to the right ballpark to agree, but – he's got everything you would want to be a guy that can help a contender today.
1: Yeah. Yes. I think he's kind of inconsistent. If I, I mean, I don't, I haven't looked at his number, but he's kind of just been an inconsistent guy out there. Sometimes he'll be great. I mean, his, his last two years have been solid, but also you look at his, his ERA versus his fit, but there's almost a point difference if not over a point difference there in some cases. So, uh I mean he's solid, absolutely, but I don't know that you're gonna be giving him, you know, even Bumgarner money, not even close. No. But I don't think you want him for that long either. Mm-hmm. So we'll see where he goes though. I think um the Cardinals fans, at least on Twitter, seem to really want him. That would be interesting. The um Blue Jays fans want him now too, after they just signed um, their Korean pitcher that they uh, today, uh, Sean Yamaguchi.
0: I think that it'll be interesting to see where Ryu ends up. I think that the Cardinals may be out of it now because of the guy they assigned, Kim, but I'm not entirely sure just because I mean, but he's not a bad pitcher. I think his numbers make him look a little bit better than he has been. I mean, especially, I mean, his FIP over the past two years was about a three and his ERA was bouncing around a two. So, I don't know. I think that he's a product, a little bit of his ballpark, but he's going to be a solid pitcher wherever he goes. He's not going to be a Clayton Kershaw-esque guy, but he's going to be making you a decent amount of games that he's going to be pitching. You're going to have a chance to win. I mean, that's really all it comes down to for him. And he doesn't usually allow a terrible amount of home runs or anything like that. He's just been an average pitcher. Other than that, I think that he'd be a pretty good addition to any team.
1: An $8 million contract is not going to be the reason the Cardinals don't sign Ryu. Yeah,
0: I mean, the Cardinals just won't (laughs) sign him because they don't like signing anybody, but don't get me started on that one. It's literally. It's because the Cardinals were horrible. They just think they're good where they are right now. And if anybody watched the NLCS, because I was there for two of those games, we're not fine where we are right now. (laughs) Like, we shouldn't have beat the Braves.
2: That was rough. Those were rough
0: games. Shouldn't have beat the Braves somehow scored 10 runs in that one inning and that happened. I don't know how that one happened. I was just like, well, okay, I guess we're going to NLCS. But you need to see a move there. And I mean, Ozuna might sign back with the Cardinals. I wouldn't be surprised about that move, even though there's a backlog of outfielders of the Cardinals and they need to get rid of some of them because not all of them can play. And also you're going to need to make room for some guys we're going to talk about here in a little bit. But I mean, we can might as well just jump into that and start talking about some of the prospects, the main part here. And who do you guys think is the number one prospect in your mind right now?
1: There is a wrong answer. Throwing that out there. But I'll let you guys go first.
2: I really like Luis Robert, to be honest, out of Chicago. Just He's going to be a very solid outfielder for them. I think he's got all the tools you need to be able to help that team win soon. And they're going to need it soon.
0: So I think that Adley Rushman is one of my top prospects right now. And I think he might be number one for me, just by the pure fact of what he can do and what he can be. I mean, in college, he had 17 home runs in his junior season. And he had a 411 batting average. He was pretty decent. I mean, that's college numbers or whatever. But I think that he has a lot of potential, especially for a guy as young as he is. And he might be seeing the major leagues very soon because, I mean, it's out there and the Orioles and their team is not really that thick with prospects. So I think that he might have an opportunity to do that, especially if he excels and is the kind of player that he can be. So he's my definitely my number one right now.
1: Adley Rushman is a, the best catching prospect in the game right now. Luis Robert is arguably the best outfield prospect. The best overall prospect, and this is not me thinking I'm smarter than anybody else. This is Every prospect publication, every prospect tier, if that's what you want to call them, they're all smarter than me. Wander Franco is the top prospect in baseball. Um, and it's, it's close-ish. Um, if you want to go by future value on fan graphs, Wander Franco's given a 70 future value, which is ridiculous. Um, and the two guys under him are Joe Adele and Royce Lewis at 65 Rushman is a 60, but he's the first guy with a, a, a labeled as a medium risk. But still, Wander Franco is is everything you could want in a baseball player. Um, he is just open up what Fangraphs says about him. They say Franco is really close to the perfect prospect. That are, those are the first words they say. <laughs> so he is he is the guy, and all the hype is as real as it can be. If you go watch video on him, whatever you want to do. Uh, you want to go look at his numbers? You can do that too. The the hype is just about as real um, as it can be. And if you want, to, good luck guessing which one he is, because there's a lot of Wonder Francos out there. But, <laughs> the uh, youngest one. He's the youngest. He's, yeah, he's, he's the youngest is. one. So, look, even I just got it wrong now looking him up. Yeah, because
0: he's like, I think he was born in 2001. That is crazy
1: to me. That yeah, we have guys. Yes. He's he's 18 and he was worth 157 WRC it. plus. Uh, he was worth 157 WRC plus in advanced A ball. He struck out less than 10 percent of the time. Walked 11 percent of the time. Uh, he only hit only hit three homers. But but uh, I mean everything about him is just simply amazing, considering the fact that he is as young as he is. He's 18. Yes, and and I say I keep saying Wade runs created plus. He had 157 in A ball. Um, the benchmark for an average player with this stat is 100. He's so. Over. I mean, all but consensus, number one prospect in baseball at the moment.
0: That's just crazy. I mean, to see him, and he's, he's a pretty balanced player too, at least from what I've seen. Um, I definitely like him a lot. You know, I'm just...
1: When oh, I say only three home runs, by the way, he, he split between A and A plus. We had nine a a. total, yeah.
0: I mean, definitely has a lot of road to go to like Adley as well. So we're going to see him hopefully soon too, because hopefully he just blows through the minor leagues, and that'd be fun to see another guy do that.
1: His ETA is twenty twenty
2: one. That makes sense. When did uh didn't Tampa just bring up a new shortstop
1: last year? Um, Willie Adames. Yeah, isn't he? A, wasn't he a rookie last year? Yeah, yeah, he's he's more. I mean, he's a defensive guy. Yeah. Uh, contacts not gonna have any pop. Wander Franco's got everything. <laughs> I mean, he has one tool that's fifty, and it's his fielding. Everything else is fifty five or higher. Yeah, he is going to be a very so, sure so that sure. is that is probably a number one prospect. After that, sure, Rushman, Robert, Adele, Mackenzie Gore, whoever Lux. you want. I mean, I mean, there's arguments there, but I think Wander Franco is kind of the big name and the top guy if you're talking prospects.
0: Yeah, it would be interesting, especially to see him come up. And one guy who I was kind of considering a little bit was Gavin Lux. I think that he's not a bad player either. And I think, like, bringing it up earlier from one of the trade talks we were talking about, like, Mookie and all that, like, he would have to be in the talks for getting Mookie from the Dodgers. I think that he'd be a pretty good piece, especially in the future. I mean, his future value is 60, according to fan graphs, so I think that he has some potential there. And I think that he might be better than what is even on there. Because, I mean, he didn't strike out too terrible much, I mean, but he did. He had a 14, 18% strikeout and 14% walk, so he's pretty much even there which I'd be kind of interesting to see especially somebody to do that and I mean in double A he struck out a lot more this past year so what do you think about him
1: Yeah I mean yeah he saw the the hitting um came on recently uh he was never bad but all of a sudden in 2019 he's worth 188 weighted runs created plus and in 232 at bats in triple A that's all sorts of ridiculous um And he earned that that late-year call-up in 2019 to the Dodgers. So, uh, I mean, there's not a whole lot you can say. Like, he'll be solid. I don't know if – it's just tough with Dodger prospects because you keep seeing them come up, and they kind of tease them a little bit. They won't get consistent playing time. They're there. They're in uniform, but they'll play a little bit. They won't. You you saw it with Verdugo. Um, He's finally officially considered a starter, but with Dave Roberts, that just could mean 80 games. But – You know, you kind of see that it's going to be the same thing with Dustin May too, where he'll probably he might you know spot start, then go back to the bullpen. It's just they they're so weird with their prospects. uh, The Dodger prospects are always hard. You can see that, and
0: there's like always a random Dodgers prospect who comes up and then kills it, or they just sign somebody random and then they're just like they absolutely kill it. So it'd be interesting to see that Um, one guy who I absolutely cannot wait to see come back who, I mean, I would still mention a prospect, even though he's been injured, is Michael Kopech. And, I mean, I love this guy's fastball. I love everything that he can do. And if he can just gain a little bit of command, I think that we could see a reliable, hopefully dependable starter for the White Sox up there in Chicago on the south side. And, I mean, that'd be pretty interesting, considering he throws the ball very, very hard. He was part of a really big deal, and I think whenever they traded away Chris Sale, him and Yon Mankata, so, what do you think about the potential of him coming back and what he can do for the White Sox?
1: Well, yeah, I bought all of his stock that I could in, in fantasy leagues, if that tells you anything. But yeah, he's got—he's a high-velocity guy. Um, he he couples it with a slider, um, and so as you can imagine, throwing 99 with a wipeout slider, you blow your arm out. Yeah, it's it's a just a math problem that happens in baseball. So he, he's going to be returning. Um, I, I mean. TJ's is not what it used to be where it's it's a questionable death sentence. Most guys come back now. Most uh, guys come back better now. Exactly. So I'm, I'm not really worried about Kopech. I like Kopech a lot. Um, certainly an interesting name to watch because he should, uh, if he can pitch well in spring training, he should have a chance to start in Chicago. If not, they might want to get his feet back under him and send him to Charlotte for a while. Um, but he, it won't be long.
0: I hope so for the Chicago White Sox fans out there, because, I mean.
1: I mean, the White Sox can just bank in this farm system. It's ridiculous. Um, you talk about Robert. Uh, Robert's got the power and speed combination um, that that you can die for. It's, it's the best power-speed combination in the minors right now. Uh, not quite to the. Acuna level but but uh robert's got really nice power speed combination andrew vaughn they just drafted is a stud um he's got some popping and he's got a good hit tool to go with it i mean copeck is still down there the guy that i like a lot that i take a lot of flack for nick madrigal mm. um he uh i didn't like madrigal i know he, he was a good hitter coming out of uh college and everybody knew that he was drafted in 2018 he's already knocking on the door of the majors um but what he, what's so good is he's just not necessarily to the point of Williams Astudio, but he just has such a good hit tool. Um, you know, he struck out less than 5% of the time at any level he's been at. Uh, he walks close to ten percent It's not amazing, but he doesn't, he just gets bat to ball and he's got good line drive numbers too. So Nick Madrigal, I absolutely love him. I think he'll be a solid everyday second baseman. I mean, there's a reason that they got rid of Yomer Sanchez and his name is Nick Madrigal. Yep.
0: And I think we might be able to see him next year and Mr. I don't strike out like he's legit. He just doesn't strike out. And that's something you love as a baseball coach and love as a baseball fan that you get him out of the plate, you get a guy on third base and he could just flip a little ball up the center of the field and ground out of the shortstop. Like, I mean, that's still productive and that still means a lot in the game. So, I mean, as much as it is, sometimes you have those little guys who can just slap the ball, and that's really all you need. You don't have to have the guys who are the towering home runs all the time, but I mean, he has a little bit of power. He hit like a total, I think, of six home runs in the minor leagues, I believe, or something. I mean, no, he hit four, so I mean, like, he doesn't have much power.
1: He's got below average power. He's not going to be a home run guy. He'll hit line drives, but they're not going to be towering line drives over, th- they're just going to be line drives. Yeah,
0: but you just want him to go out there and the ball in play i mean he's just that guy and that's a role he's gonna
1: take and i think he's taking that pretty well. i mean don't forget he's got plus plus speed he's at 70 grade speed that's uh fast
0: <laughs> that is faster than me Real fast. i can guarantee that much
1: wilson has five grade Ooh, speed
0: you gave me five i appreciate that i was giving myself like a two or a one but you know <laughs>
2: that's still being generous but hey
0: you know big poppy speed that's what i am i'm that big zero and the mlb the show but sometimes that just happens. I think one guy who I really am excited about and me being a little bit of a homer here is the Cardinals. And I love Nolan Gorman. I think this guy has a lot of potential value, especially in the future. I mean, he's rated a 55 value overall, but you know, he has a lot of raw power, which is something that you want out of a third base guy. And especially with a decrease in Matt Carpenter and then you've seen a little bit of uneasy uneasy playing in the field with the guys being able to hit and guys being able to do what they need to do. Somebody like Nolan Gorman could really come up and impact the Cardinals within the next two years and be a big bat alongside Paul Goldschmidt, hopefully. Because I don't know if Matt Carpenter picks it back up, but, I mean, obviously he's trying harder. He's trying to gain weight this offseason, but, you know, good for him. Hopefully he does but I'm still going to give him crap for it. And then I think too, that just having him out there. And I think if he learns how to hit a little bit better, we could be seeing him really quick. And I don't know what you guys think about him, but
1: Nolan Gorman is a very good hitter. Um, I mean, it was a really great draft pick by the Cardinals. Don't get me wrong. Uh, Expectations need to be tampered. Um, the shine is off his apple right now, if you want to put it that way. But that's because he came into the league and took it by storm, and all of a sudden he gets called up to Peoria um, in his, uh, last year and struggles. And he comes back this year, he does well. He gets called up to Johnson City and he struggles. This is the nature of high school bats; um, they're not as developed, they're not as far along, so. Um, It's not to say that he doesn't have the future with him because he absolutely does. He's a fantastic hitter. I mean, I loved watching him when he was in Peoria. But there's just going to be a learning curve there for him that a lot of people didn't see coming or didn't want to see coming. Um, But I think between him and um, Malcolm Nunez and Aluris Montero, there's a lot of potential for that third first base area.
0: I hope so for the Cardinals' sakes. They need somebody out there. That's has a little bit more power and is able to do what they need to do. Um, and I have another Cardinals prospect. But that's later. Um, well,
1: it's, I mean, the, it's it's the guy that's the top Cardinals prospect. Gorman's too. Yes. The top guys who all wants to talk about as a as an, as a low key guy. Though.
0: Exactly. He he's my favorite. Leave him alone. He's like my Mike Trout.
2: <laughs> Leave him
0: and if you're playing a drinking game, every single time we say Mike Trout, you have to drink. Shoot, oh, he got right <laughs> While Jacob goes to the refrigerator, no. But um, the next guy who I think is a really good player too is Jason Dominguez. And there's really not too much on this guy right now, but he has a lot of impressive comps. And that's why I put him up here on this list with us. And I think that he's really, really impressive because he has like comps of Bo Jackson, Mike Trout, even a Babe Ruth thrown in there, I Mickey Mantle, I think that he's worth putting up there just because of some of his comps, but he's a 16-year-old, switch-hitting prospect, has a lot of power. I think that he has a chance to be a really, really good player. Um, Of course, he's on the Yankees, so it's going to be a little tough for him to break into that outfield or break even onto the team, and we're probably not going to see him for four years, five years at the best. And I think that he's just somebody who could be really good in the long run, and I think that... He's just someone who I'm a little bit interested in.
2: I think it's funny how you, I, I think it's funny how you went from this guy's going to be like the next Mike Trout to, Oh, he could be really good. Like that is a huge difference right there. First off. Oh no, that's what they, uh, comp and, say. yeah, he can be a very good baseball player. I definitely agree. And he'll
1: definitely help out there. In but Dominguez was the top international prospect. He was the prize this year for lack of a better term. And um, it's because he's got what a lot of people can see as 30, 30 upside. Um, he's really young, obviously. He's, uh, but he's got the tools. He's a big dude already. I mean, there's there's video of his swing all over, and and I, the guy's good. Let's let's not pretend that he's not. Um, but it's just for me personally, it's nice to see uh, how they perform, you know, on the professional level. But I, I mean, as an eighteen-year-old or seventeen-year-old, however old he is, um, he's already a lot bigger than me, and people would think he's older than me. So. <laughs> He's kind of got the size, and and he's fast. He's got some raw power, and and honestly, his hit tool is supposed to be pretty good too. So he's he's a guy.
2: Yeah, but I mean, this is a but guy no, we Logan, seen, you're we you're... haven't seen a guy play an MLB game yet. How are you going to compare him to potentially be best baseball player in history? Well, yeah, Logan's comps are those aren't
0: my comps. Those are what other people have said about him.
1: I want to know who you're talking who... to about him. Very responsible what they're doing.
2: Hold up! Hold up. is it is it uh? Is it someone that's had a lot of drugs? Like, Is that who you've been talking to about no, this No, I
0: believe it was some of, I think it was MLB.com who said something about that. No, it was Fangraphs. Fangraphs compared his tools to a combination of Bo Jackson, Yashiel Puig, and Yon Mankata. And he said it's like...
2: Combination does not combi- exactly. First off, it's a combination. Second off...
0: MLB.com called Dominguez one of the best international prospects available in years, a teenage Mike Trout.
1: I mean, he's he's 16 years old and we're watching a swing right now. He's got he's got the stuff. Let's be real about that. But let's be realistic about comps. And I think right now, since we're talking about a 16 year old, let's say 30 30 as as a ceiling and see how that develops as he, you know, gets older. Right.
2: He's 16. A lot of things can go right, but also a lot of things can go wrong. Yeah, that's true. You can't sit there and tell me that a 16 year old is guaranteed to be anything. Because he's still, he's still a teenager.
0: Guys like Bryce Harper. I mean, whenever he was 16 years old, he was getting talked about quite a lot. And I think there's, you know, some guys you definitely hit on. And some guys, I mean, obviously you miss, but...
1: Well, wait, so if your comp is Bryce Harper at 16, he didn't turn into Mike Trout, he turned into Bryce Harper.
0: The fact that he is 16, because Hedese was wondering about that. But, I mean, I think that he has a lot of potential. And obviously, you know, some of the comps...
1: We're not arguing the potential. We're just arguing your comps.
2: Hey. We're, we're just saying that you're dumb for comparing anybody to Mike Trout in this generation. I'm not the
0: one comparing him. I'm saying MOB.com compare him. But you know what? Sure, I compared him. <laughs> I'll take it. You, you're you the one you that said know what? Said it. I'm going all three in. three of
2: us here, you're the one that said I'm
0: going it. all in. He's Mike Trout calling it. What's the worst that happens? I'm
2: wrong. <laughs> he's going to pass Derek Jeter before he's... 11 years into his career. I mean,
0: honestly, if he turns into the next Mike Trout, I mean, I'll go to the the next casino the moment he turns into Mike Trout, and I'll spend all my money at the casino. You heard it here first.
2: You're going to lose all your money at that I'm not casino. even going
0: to get to the point where I spend my money at the casino. Cause and he probably won't turn into Mike Trout, but...
1: I mean, to be fair, Mike Trout's not even a Hall of Fame. Yeah, now. no. He de- definitely <laughs> deserve, does not deserve it. Not at Well, no, he's only got nine years. You need ten. Exactly. He's at ten now. Thought, was this his
2: tenth year? I think this was his tenth year. It took him nine years to pass
1: Derek Jeter's twenty-year career. He only has seventy-three point four F four. So my first career, let's let's.
0: let's not be too crazy.
1: Anyway, is there anybody else that catches your eye? Anybody else you want to talk about, Logan?
0: Absolutely. The guy who I really want to talk about, Dylan Carlson. I mean, this guy is really, really good, and I mean. A lot of the Cardinals faithful are trying to say to the general manager and all the teams, like, get him up there right now because we want him, but I think that's rushing it a little bit. And I really don't want that to happen. I mean, he's graded out to be a 50 future value. And I think that he has a lot of potential. Cause I mean, in 2019 in A, he hit 21 home runs. I mean, that's pretty good. And uh, weighted runs created, he had a 142 and a 161 in A. So I mean, obviously he has the level of talent that we need. It's just the question is, Where do you put him in the outfield? I mean, honestly, the Cardinals outfield is stacked. So where would he fit in? Obviously, you want a player like this out there. But you've seen it before with guys who have been pretty good in the minor leagues for the Cardinals in outfield. But they're just not being able to play right now. Um, Last year, I think it was Arozina. He didn't have much chance to play. And then he had Lane Thomas. He didn't have much chance to play. So I think that it will be interesting if he could get to the major league level and they just let him play 30 games and say, let's see what you can do. I want to see what you can do right now and see if you can help us and be what Marcelo Zuna kind of was and just
1: play. Dylan Carlson is not Randy Rosarino or Lane Thomas. Lane Thomas had no hype coming in. Um, Randy had, I mean, he's a top 10 guy in the organization, sure. And and I'm a huge Randy Rosarena fan, don't get me wrong. But, they will find a spot for Dylan Carlson. They need to find a spot for Dylan Carlson. Um, he was a 2020 guy last year across Dublin, AAA, and triple a in the minors, um, which is extremely solid. He, he ended the year in AAA, didn't get too many at-bats, and so he might start there again. I think he's probably going to start on the roster. If not, it'll be a it'll be Super to- 2 situation. But um, I, I – think they need to find a spot for Carlson. Carlson's different than a lot of these other outfielder guys coming up because he's more talented, I think is a good way to put it. Um, I mean, I was a huge O'Neill guy when he came up. He has a ton of raw power and actually a deceptive speed. Um, Harrison Bader was always just going to be what Harrison Bader is. Exactly. Um, but Carlson, relative to what he did last year, had been okay. I mean, he never had a WRC plus under 100 in his career, but... But uh, relative to last year, he was never that good. There were so many um, adjustments that he made uh, that really have helped him to catapult his way into the, the light that he's in. He, he found some national attention because he was playing so well, and that's because he didn't just improve. Like He was changing things to be able to uh, do it from both sides, a switch hitter. Um, and so he's he's made a lot of adjustments to be able to really break out and I think it's it's definitely real when you look at what his swing is versus what it was and what those numbers are and what he can bring to the cardinals um you know they should give him that chance
0: yeah absolutely and I think that he deserves that chance and especially if they don't sign Marcelo Zunia, I think that there's going to be a chance that you're going to see this and he'll be able to come up I just hope that he gets consistent playing time And he gets a chance to prove himself at a major league level and kind of adjust with it. Because, I mean, honestly, he could be a huge addition to a Cardinals team that lacked some offense at times last year. And that would be pretty monumental for them. And I think that would be pretty huge. Um, Before we go, is there any other prospects that you really want to talk about?
2: Yeah, I want to talk about a pitching prospect. Uh, Out in Oakland, he was was a first-round draft pick in 2016. A.J. Puck, uh, obviously – had the injury had tommy john but he's got a plus fastball a plus slider and a plus curveball that's that'll that'll play at the major league level obviously he's a 55 future value as a fan graphs um and and made appearances at the major league level last last year i believe it was he had he was two and0 in 10 games i think he was all out of the bullpen but that's still 11 innings of solid work out of aj puck
1: yeah, he's a 6'7", I believe, uh, and a lot of weight lefty. 6'7", 238 lefty. Um, you stand in front of that. Yeah, no. That, that fastball's coming
2: downhill at you. <laughs> and
1: is there anybody else you want to mention, Trevor? No, I mean, one of the things, obviously, that I would want to mention as a Tiger fan is this Tiger system. Um, Casey Mize obviously at the top of it. Uh, Matt Manning, those are kind of the two-headed dragon in their pitching prospects. Uh, They get a lot of love. Tariq Skubal is another guy who really um, has broken out. Uh, Baseball America, I think, had him as their third prospect even, uh, which is a little aggressive. But he's, he's overall solid. He was striking out a million people a game last year, it seemed like. Um, so he's definitely a name to watch and I'm just going to keep going and give you names to watch. Bryant Packard's a hitter who, who is very unheralded, but I think you'll start hearing his name more. He's a, he's a recent draft pick of the Tigers. Uh, his hit tool is is out of this world and that's what helps him to be successful. Um, move out of Detroit, uh, over to the Reds. Actually, we talked a lot about them. They have Jose Garcia, um, who is a believe 21 year old shortstop who is in a ball, but he really broke out this year um, and is definitely a guy to watch. He'll start climbing up lists. Um, you know, I, I can keep going if you want. Joey Cantillo for the Padres is another guy. Um, he, he's broken out, too. He was like a 14th rounder somewhere around there, maybe 15th. And um, he's really broken out in the last couple of years to be a really fairly big deal. I think he's number 10, according to Pipeline, in the Padres system. Um, Bryce Tarang, former first rounder, he gets not a lot of love. He's with the Brewers. Um, I mean, he's a top 100 prospect, but he kind of goes unknown. I've done drafts with people where we just draft top prospects and I've gotten him well out of that range of, of um, where people should be uh, if they're a top prospect. And that's because his hit tool is really underrated. Uh, And I'm just throwing out guys that you guys to watch out for. You want to go even to Seattle, Logan Gilbert is a potential two pitcher. I think, um, but he's a kind of a known commodity, and then you have a uh, Elvis Marte. Um, I'm sorry, no. Uh, I got confused. It's Noelvis Marte, Noelvi Marte. I, oh my goodness, there's so many. Uh, but Noelvi Marte is uh, has been described as a potential five-tool guy. As he develops, he's super young. He's in the uh, Dominican Summer League at this point. Uh, I, I, you guys can cut me off whenever you want. I'll I'll continue. I'll give you two more. Two One. more. Screw you, Logan. <laughs> <laughs> Two more. i, hey, I got to make them count now. Um, all right, well, I'll stick in St. Louis. Uh, John Torres is a guy that I really like, uh, mostly because of his story. Um, he came over in that uh, Oscar Mercado deal, along with Connor Capel, and um, John Torres was a 5'8 kid who could swing a bat, kind of, and he was bad. And then all of a sudden, um, in 2018, he grew to be 6'5", and and his hitting grew with him. That's what the Cardinals saw. They have him now. We saw him a little bit at Peoria. He struggled, overpowered by pitching a little. But I, I overall liked what I saw, um, and I think that he's definitely uh, a name to watch in that Cardinals system. And we'll go to the Angels. Um a name that most people might recognize if you paid attention to big prospect names, Kevin mm-hmm. Uh He was a top international prospect for the Braves. He was the big name that got released when all their stuff went down with their GM. Um, and he signed with the Angels, kind of disappeared, but he's only 20. Uh, it seems like it's been around forever, but he's only 20 and he kind of starting to put things together, I think. And I don't know that he'll be the superstar that everybody thought he will, but definitely a guy who could turn solid. I mean, obviously, that's a, that was a lot of names <laughs> in about a
2: that was about a five minute period, and that was probably close to twenty five thirty names right there. About this is what I do. Very good, yeah. pro- very good prospects. Uh, we're just going to jump into the last segment we like to do with all of our guests. Uh, so we got four questions for you. Mm-hmm. You're going to rattle them off far. and just you give us your take. Uh, number one is who's your way too soon twenty twenty World Series champions.
1: I mean, I know the obvious answers. I'm gonna go out of the box and say the Cincinnati Reds.
0: we've not got that one yet.
2: That's that's a new one. I don't think anyone said Cincinnati yet. Yeah.
1: Well, nobody's probably been on here since they signed Mustakis and yeah, You've been your <laughs> and did all this then. stuff. But but uh, no, I think I, Cincinnati is my my go for it. Because why be obvious? Absolutely, that's
0: true. I mean, who is your NL and AL MVP for next year?
1: AL MVP Mike Trout. I'll just go safe <laughs> after I after I just after I just you uh, <laughs> pick bold, the Reds, yeah. Bold, bold predictions to Mike Trout. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, how else do you do it? That's about NL. That's tougher. Um, I don't think Yelich will win it. Uh, I'm going to go Kuna. Um, okay, I, I'm I'm really a believer that he's going to hit that forty forty mark next year yeah i could i could totally see it i mean he had a great year this year he 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 was was in the race and he got hurt.
2: he was was definitely we were talking about it late in the season that dark horse Mm -hmm. and then he got injured and then the the next question is who is the most underrated guy of this
1: offseason you think yeah. In an obvious way, Nick Castellanos, because he's not getting a ton of love yet, and he's just a solid hitter. He's he's terrible defensively. I mean, <laughs> awful defensively. He got better. He's gotten better, but he's still not great. Well, if you have to say he's gotten better, he's terrible. He was he's, really bad a couple years ago. Yeah, but but his battle play anywhere. I mean, if he goes to the right part. If if he can go to the Reds, and you have Nick Castellanos hitting a great American ballpark, oh my goodness. That's um, in another... guy. would I help I prediction. That would help out your first prediction Yes, it would. <laughs> yes, it would. So it would uh, I almost said Moustakas for the NL MVP. That would also help a lot. Yeah. I mean, the way his ball moves, the way his ball comes off his bat in Great American. Whew. But um, another underrated guy, and I'm only saying this because I thought this last year, too, is Jose Iglesias. They're both former Tigers, of course. But uh, Iglesias is just a, a solid contact guy who doesn't really get love for his hitting because he doesn't hit the ball far. But he gets on base. I mean, he does the job. Get some hits he'll hit um you know probably north of 270 which is, is fairly solid he's he's uh, his glove is his calling card so uh, a team that's looking for a shortstop fill it was the reds last year they get a good one with jose iglesias then
0: the last one here is who is your surprise team of 2020 not the reds
2: to be fair he can't
1: be the reds not the reds all right the diamondbacks okay um uh, I believe Luke Weaver got hurt last year, so you get Luke Weaver come back. He's solid. Zach Gallon was an extremely good acquisition. I'm not just listing off former Cardinals, by the way. That's just how it worked out for him. But uh, Zach Gallon was a really good uh, acquisition, and he's gotten a lot more love lately once people have kind of yes, seen what he is. Um, he's good. Yeah, yeah. Weaver didn't get a full year last year, so he'll be good. And and then uh, you know Carson Kelly's there. Uh, I believe they still have Alex Avila with, No, Avila left actually. But still, um, Carson Kelly's a solid catcher, and you know they have the rest of their guys. They just did a good job putting that team together. I mean, uh, they made trades, and and one of the guys I can't remember his name. One of the guys they got uh, in the Grinky trade was helping by the end of the year. That's good planning.
2: Um,
1: so I think the Diamondbacks will surprise a lot of people, especially now that you had Baumgartner into the equation. Yeah, yeah definitely. Uh, obviously, thank you for being on today, Trevor. Thank you for yeah, having thank me. You, Trevor. If you ever want to get Nerdy about prospects, not just the top guys. You just let me know. <laughs> You're the guy. Get real in-depth.
2: <laughs> all right, make sure you guys all follow us on Twitter. Obviously, we got our Dingerball page, uh, Dingerball Podcast. Make sure you reach out to our parent company. They have a lot of good stuff coming out on their website, a lot of good blogs. Logan's mm-hmm. written some. I've written one. Uh, make sure you guys follow Trevor on Twitter. Twitter That's, at Houth Trevor and then Google any blog I probably write for it. Yeah, I mean he, he's got a lot of good stuff about baseball and football as well, I believe now. So a lot of stuff coming out from the everyone here today. So make sure you guys give it all a listen.
0: Thank you for listening to this episode of Dingerball. Ball. We really appreciate each one of you guys out there. So make sure you like, subscribe, and do whatever you need to do on Twitter. Anchor, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and any other way you consume your podcast. And please like and leave us a review or try to give us some feedback. We would absolutely love that. Once again, thank you.